Christchurch, New Malden, 18th of October 2020. Tim Davis speaking on A Fresh Take on Listening. A Fresh Take on Listening. Why? Why consider a fresh take on listening? I'd say that uh, this past year has given us new ways of thinking about everyday life, and in particular experiencing new ways of communicating with one another. We've become reliant on weekly or daily phone and video calls with our friends and families because we're no longer able to see them as regularly as we used to. For many of us, we miss the buzz of our workplaces and the constant face-to-face interactions with colleagues. Our days can seem lonely and just too quiet. Some of you will remember the BT ad campaign from 20 years ago. It featured Bob Hoskins in a variety of situations, but always centred around the simple four-word slogan, It's good to talk. It was a straightforward yet incredibly effective and, for BT, quite profitable campaign. And it's true, isn't it? We are, mostly, social beings. We love to talk with one another, to converse, to laugh, to share, to argue, to put the world to rights, to express our joy and our anger. To not be able to do that robs us of our nature. It's good to talk. Back in spring, when lockdown started, many of us were struck by just how quiet everything seemed around us. No traffic, no planes overhead, fewer trains and passers-by. And we started to notice how vocal nature could be. The sound of songbirds filled the air as we set about with our newfound desire of a socially distanced daily exercise We allowed the sounds of nature to help quell the anxiety and fear that had arisen due to a global pandemic. It's good to talk, but it's also good to listen. Many of us are good talkers, great talkers in fact, but how many of us could say that we are good listeners? And what does it mean in the context of our Christian faith to be a good listener? What I want us to think about today is what it means to really listen, and not just to God, but to everyone and everything around us. And that's why this talk is entitled A Fresh Take on Listening, rather than A Fresh Take on Listening to God, because we can experience God indirectly through everything and everyone around us. Our Christian lives are shaped that way, through the experience of everything around us. I want to start by saying this. Listening is harder than you might think. Now, sure, when you're watching TV and sitting there silently, it might seem easy. But unless you're someone who finds themselves giving a running commentary on their every action, you're silent because you're not engaging socially with the figures on television. If there's someone sitting next to you, you'll probably find yourself sharing comments, observations, half listening to what the other person might also say. But put yourself in a situation where someone is talking directly to you and you just have to listen, well, it's hard. A new initiative that we started last year here at Christchurch was the Community Cafe. It's an opportunity for anyone to pop in and have a friendly cuppa and a slice of cake, but most of all, have someone to talk to, someone to listen to you. And those members of church who volunteered to help at the cafe, 
all receive training on how to listen and respond to the various guests that might drop by. When I was training for lay ministry, the second year of my course had a particular focus on pastoral care. And we spent a lot of time learning how to listen to others. And believe me, it's not easy. When someone comes to you with a problem that they want to discuss, it's so tempting to want to try and apply your own experiences to their situation. And soon you find you're telling your story rather than letting them tell their story. Just being silent and letting someone else speak and share is an invaluable skill that isn't recognised enough in this world. So is it all about the need for more silence in our lives? Prayer, adoration, praise are all affirmed in the Bible as important mediums of interacting with God and necessary actions when in God's presence. But several Bible passages also highlight the need for silence, especially when it is the only appropriate human response to the inability of human words to do justice to the reality of God. For example, Habakkuk declares that the whole earth should be silent in the presence of the Lord in in the temple. At the end of the book of Job, our protagonist ends up reduced to silence, aware of his foolishness in the sight of God. And in the book of Revelation, There is a scene describing a silence in heaven, apparently as an expression of human and celestial awe in the presence of God. It's been said time and time again that our lives are getting busier and busier, filled with more ways to do things quicker so we can find new things to distract our lives. And that we complain about not having five minutes of peace and quiet. So those moments when we do have time to ourselves without distraction, are kept just for ourselves and escape from life rather than a part of our lives. Finding time to listen to God should come first. It's why many people find that starting the day with a Bible study is so valuable. It gives them time to read God's word and focus on the day ahead. When I was on residential weekends for my lay reader training, We would start the day with a half-hour small group Bible study using the Lectio Divina method. It's a wonderful practice of scriptural reading, meditation and prayer intended to promote communion with God and to increase the knowledge of God's word. In the view of one commentator, it does not treat scripture's text to be studied, but as the living word. It asks you to consider how the passage you're reading speaks to you today and what God is saying to you today, setting aside your own thoughts and influences and wants and desires. Verse 10 of Psalm 46 seems an ideal piece of advice, doesn't it? Be still and know that I am God. It's a wonderful image, isn't it? Amidst all the chaos and noise of our lives, Suddenly, we find ourselves in a place of stillness and quiet, listening to God, knowing him as exalted above all. And yet, it's too easy, I think, to take this verse out of context and just use it as a memeable quote. It's something which looks good pinned to the fridge door on a bookmark. But actually, there's anything but silence involved here. 
The whole chapter is full of noise and excitement and activity. God is our refuge and strength. Mountains are quaking and falling into roaring seas. Nations are in uproar and at war. And God not only brings a forceful end to them, he also brings desolation upon the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear and burns the shields with fire. And then he says, be still. This isn't a gentle, be still, O little one. Be peaceful. I'm here. I am God. It's a shout. It's God cutting through the noise of humanity and bellowing. Hey, humans, shut up and stop what you're doing. I am God. Be still and listen to me. Know that I am God. That would get your attention. Be still and know that I am God. It's like the teacher with a whistle in a playground, getting the children to stop and listen. It's the sound of an emergency services vehicle siren that pierces the noise of a busy town. You stop what you're doing and listen. It's great to make time for God to speak to us in those times of prayer and meditation. But actually God is speaking to us a lot more and calling to us through the noise of our lives. It's important that we don't miss the obvious sound of God's voice in our lives. We don't just listen with our ears, but with our whole experience of life. When we see injustice, poverty, suffering, people in need, are we listening to God? Are we hearing God's voice burning in our hearts, telling us what needs to happen? When we hear the cries of those in need, it's no good trying to call out to God and say, how can you allow this suffering? Why don't you do something about it? If you loved us, you would. Because God's reply is pretty blunt. No, how can you allow this suffering to take place right in front of you? What are you going to do about it? If you love me, you will do something. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Taking time to be silent, setting aside some quiet time each day for prayer and Bible study, that, that's actually quite easy. What's hard is genuinely listening to God. Have you ever noticed how often prayer can frequently end up just being a one-way conversation with God? We pray in church together, earnestly. But do we give ourselves time to wait for a response? When in times of trouble we fire off those so-called arrow prayers. Ah, help me God, I've locked myself out and can't find a spare set of keys and I've left the oven on and the cake that's in there is going to be nothing but purified carbon by the time I get a locksmith out. Help me God! That's not prayer. Now, we pray for the needs of the world in church, but do we allow ourselves to be disturbed into action? Giving ourselves regular time to be silent and listen to what God has to say should be a precondition of effective prayer. The former Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael Ramsey, wrote, Silence enables us to be aware of God. 
to let mind and imagination dwell upon his truth, to let prayer be listening before it is talking, and to discover our own selves in a way that is not always possible when we are making or listening to noise. Into the Christian's use of silence there may flow the wonder of God the Creator, the recollection of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, the recalling of scenes in his life, often a passage of the Bible, the glories of nature in which the finger of God is present. Again, it's a comforting image, but what if the reason for our one-way conversation is that if we actually allow ourselves the time to think about our prayers, we might have to acknowledge that we already know the answer. Now, I love the book of Jonah, and I feel the prophet Jonah gets a bit of a hard time. He definitely heard God. It sounds like he didn't have much choice, as it says, the word of the Lord came to him. But what he did next is what colours our opinion of him. He was told to go to Nineveh and preach destruction, but instead he chose to run away. It might seem like a cowardly act, but all he had to go on was his own instincts. I think that in our society we are bombarded by so many different messages that they can't help but often influence our words and actions. We like to emulate characters from TV and films and use bits of dialogue we liked. We idealise lifestyles and find that poignant music and word, song words really strike a chord and explain things in a simple way that perhaps we might not have thought of ourselves. And you know what? I think Jonah might have had a different response, if only he'd been able to listen to 80s power ballads for inspiration. Listen to your heart. chorus is perfect for Jonah, isn't it? But would Jonah have actually done anything different if he had listened to his heart instead of his herd and run away scared? Well, actually, I think that's the problem here. Jonah is listening to his heart. He knows what's the right thing to do. It's to go and tell the people of Nineveh that basically God has had enough of them and that he's going to destroy their sinful city. But Jonah doesn't go, not necessarily because he's scared of delivering the message. Now, that would be his head talking. No, deep in his heart, he knows God. And he knows God is a just God, punishing those who are sinful. But God is also a loving, merciful God, forgiving those who truly say sorry. And Jonah doesn't like that. He has no interest in seeing these awful people saved. He can't get over the difficult answer from God that says, you need to love those whom you find it hard to love. Can you imagine what is possible if people actually stopped and listened to God instead of their own voices? Jonah could. And that's why listening to God 
can sometimes feel so hard. When we struggle to listen to other people, it's because we're still too caught up in our own world, too focused on what we think and want and feel, that we can't simply put another's needs wholly before our own, just for a moment. And when we struggle to listen to God, is it actually the case that we're choosing to ignore the potential challenge that may come our way if we actually allow God to respond to our previously one-way conversation? This can be in the quiet or in the times of unavoidable noise. Silence is perfect for allowing us to focus and then let go of our own thoughts and let God speak to us. But God is also speaking to our hearts and imploring us to see the loud, noisy messages he's been sending us that are right there in front of our eyes, right there in our busy daily lives. God speaks in many ways. And I particularly love the use of the passage from 1 Kings in the hymn, Dear Lord and Father of Mankind. Breathe through the heats of our desire, your coolness and your balm. Let sense be dumb, let flesh retire. Speak through the earthquake, wind and fire. O still, small voice of calm. O still, small voice of calm. God speaks to us in many ways. Israel in the Old Testament understood the loud activity, the earthquakes, the thunder, the grand nature ruling activity of the Lord, but also realised that God speaks in the quiet. In the moments when we stop, are still and know that he is God. And to truly listen to him is to accept his will for our lives to obey his commandments and to build his kingdom here. I can't tell you what God will say to you, but I suspect you probably already know if you're really listening. Our lives are all uniquely different and varied. What works for one may not work for another. But it's not about learning how to plan the perfect quiet time. It's about asking yourself each day, How and where will I hear God today and will I listen?